Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Downloadable Concept Podcast. Kind of a serious mascot, Foxley will do anything to be part of the plot. <laughs> yeah, Candy. Thanks to Grimorian Magic, also known as Budget Limitations, Tal and Lee's all have the same voice. The uh, Halloween had to be canceled here in Australia due to spiders. <laughs> and Jeb Wrench does not come with the motorcycle and sword holster attachment. <laughs> All right, so, what was it? Bionic 6 toys? Yeah, I gotta know where that's coming from. Uh, well, you'll have to wait. Ooh. There's a surprise. Ooh, 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 this is a call ahead to a joke he hasn't made yet. Yeah, hey, wait. <laughs> no, it, no, a thing I haven't talked about yet. I Get it see. Right. It's, not, it's not a joke. It's kind of a joke, but it's not a joke. Anyways, Fox, what have you been playing? Uh, uh, nothing but a <laughs> I I have had a low gaming week because we have a real internet connection now. We've discovered Netflix. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'll remember you. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the rate we're going. We'll have used up most of the bits we like pretty quickly. <laughs> Watched a lot of cartoons. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> Didn't you recently also get, like, Crunchyroll, so you're going to, like, watch all the cartoons? <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that, too. I haven't even looked at what's on Crunchyroll yet. Everything. But anime so is harder long. to watch, because me being me, I can't really stand dubs, with a few exceptions. So well, I need Crunchy to actually Roll focus has... on it and look at it. Yeah. I can't do other things like bee drawing or chatting with Talon or anything while it's on, so mm-hmm. anime is harder to get through. Anyway, what have you been up to, Talon? Uh, as far as gaming goes, I have been engaged in a whole bunch of gaming parallel stuff this mm-hmm. past week. Uh, specifically, uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just content warning. I'm gonna talk about Ian Bogost. Oh, right. So this is gonna be dense as fuck. Not dense as fuck. Uh, in, in my honest thesis, part of what I have to do is read philosophy and, and related research and synthesize it together into something new, which occasionally means reading stuff I don't necessarily agree with. I didn't know this, that I wouldn't necessarily agree with Bogos when I started. This was not a confrontational reading. But- Nobody knows they're not going to agree with Bogos until they start reading it. <laughs> but everybody knows afterwards. And, and this is this is basically a petty wine that won't get into the thesis, but... <laughs> Chapter four of the book Alien Phenomenology is basically opens with, well, academic writing is full of needless padding and bad writing. This is chapter four. Chapters one through three were, I've read so many books. (laughs) (laughs) I'm deeply annoyed at this book. It's very dense. It's very hard to get through. And it has eaten into a lot of my gaming time, which meant that when the time come to actually play some video games, I mostly went back to very familiar you, sources. <laughs> you've just been Wait. playing the swindle. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Not just well, the we swindle. Need, we need is a new. We need like a new, uh, a new like logo that that has like a munchlax in the <laughs> in like the Johnny Carson uh, predict making the the Johnny Carson predictions with the. With a big poofy hat and the envelope, and inside the envelope it just says the swindle. No, the swindle, and that's my OK Cupid profile name. <laughs> I uh, the the um, other gaming tangential thing I've done is that apparently the, the the company we used to print our cards decided to really get a rush on, which means I actually have two games that I have to finish right now, kind of thing, because I've Oops. got the artist proofs on hand, which is really cool. And one of them is Murder Most Foul, a game <laughs> of uh, Agatha Christie-style birders taking uh, the job of finding birds in a field way so did you, too uh, seriously. Like, did you, did you like, contact the developers of Hannibal Boyfriend and try to get, like, cross-promotion going on? <laughs> I didn't, though there is, there is reference to various different funny bird names I found while doing research. Murder Most Foul has been an amazing excursion into making up words and then double checking that they're not already birder words and being surprised by how often they are. Um, with my current favorite birder word is jizz. They talk very seriously about having to get the jizz of a bird, which is the general impression, shape, and speed. Mm-hmm. Oh, jizz. Yes, they could easily have pre- prevented this by pronouncing it jizz specifically. Yes, they could have, but they, but they don't. It jizz. But they don't. <laughs> Something which has now never hear, happened now in I'm the told history that of making sounds. I'm told that the people, that the person who came up with it, wanted to call it jizz. Yes, and there was a fight about this. <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking or not. No, there was there was a fight about it. There was a fight about it because they had to, because here's the thing: this particular terminology shows up around the 1910s period of birding history in England, 
And around that point, suddenly the ability to pick out flying objects became very high demand by the government. And they started recruiting birders to work in the military to track planes. Oh, so you actually are serious. I thought we were making a GIF joke. Ooh. I was. <laughs> yeah. No, no, this is a real thing. I, I, I was making a, I was making a GIF joke. Yeah, no, no, no. There, there really was a fight over GIS, GIS, and GIS. And it turns and out... And they picked the worst one. They picked the worst one, but to be fair, they were also hanging out with a bunch of soldiers. So I'm just suggesting there might be a deliberate sense of humor there. I just assumed it wasn't that slanging at that point. I have no idea. I looked into Birda law. I didn't look into uh, porn you didn't, dialogue. You didn't look, you didn't look deeply into the jizz, is what you're saying. No, no. I, I, I limited my exploration of the jizz. Quit deep enough to see people fighting over it. It's true. And it being in demand from the military. I Yeah. The fact, the fact that they going had... going into weird I, places. Well, imagine what this is like, and you're like, you know, because birders are not people renowned for being particular. Like, you have a mental image of someone who goes bird watching. It's basically bird from... Motherfucker, are you Street. kidding me? There is a, there is a bird watching... VCR board game. Yes. How fucking boring is that? <laughs> I, uh, I I believe bird watching is the archetype for whom the word frumpy was invented. Yeah, um, bird watching got replaced by train spotting as like an ultimate nerdy activity. Um, so so bird watching is not something you generally associate with being you know high grade you military. Know, I'm gonna I'm gonna imagine... say I'm gonna say this bird watching. At least you're looking for something that's small and hard that can be hard to find. That's, that's true. true. Train spotting train is can't not hide. <laughs> Transporting is literally just counting. Tra- well, transporting is also going to a fixed location and sitting there all day and noting what what drives and past. counting. I yeah, uh, but, I mean they, there's a, there's a schedule. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I spy with no challenge. <laughs> no, I'm, wait, at no tra- I'm, I'm at the train tracks. Train train is probably going to show up at some point. <laughs> it is spotto with no challenge involved. But now imagine that you're. Uh, 19, you're, 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 we're talking 1930s Britain. We're talking generally quite, you know, paranoid, heavily, you know, everyone, everyone's kind of oppressive air where everyone's worried. And you're going to your little bird watching society, your little Autobahn society group. And you're all just trying to have something interesting to talk about that isn't about the war. And then suddenly there's a <laughs> knock on the door and a man in full army uniform is there saying, we need you. <laughs> Right, and everyone in that room is like, this is my day. <laughs> We've been preparing for this for years. <laughs> this has finally happened. <laughs> Let me get my... I want this Metal glasses. Gear game now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Actually, that would be... Okay, um, um, what am I hearing? Uh, we need to get Simon Pegg onto this. Oh my get goodness, yes. do the story of a a bird watching society <laughs> drafted into the military and and the best thing about it is after that bird watch after the bird watchers got drafted into the military to start working on using visual acuity it was about the same time the british invented radar <laughs> you sons of bitches <laughs> <laughs> what happened was all the nerds showed up with their fucking their binoculars and shit and they're like no, no. We got anything else? Uh, we could bounce sound off them. Cool, let's do that. Just like one computer guy shows up with like, hey, this is Radar, and everyone in the room turns. Then they beat him to death with binoculars. <laughs> yes. But yes, the kind of seriousness where they fought over the pronunciation of jizz uh, is indeed what informs the idea of this game, which is like, oh, it's it's a lovely game where you try and uh, where you try and sight birds in a set and and create a pattern, but you can commit mischievous acts to interfere with your rival's ability to compose a bird watching diary. Slip and a little brandy into their into their yes, coffee flask. Yes, yes. Uh, you can, you can in fact uh, rouse a wasp's nest. Ooh. Mm. Or, or spread the scent of a fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, or perhaps slip a dreadful toad into the palm of their birds. Yep. And if it escalates far enough. You can straight up burst someone. Can we can we make like a redneck expansion of this? <laughs> <laughs> well, Fox and I did get discussing um 
because because while we're going far afield, um, there's this song called "Cruise" by Florida Georgia Line that makes me incalculably angry. <laughs> and we were talking about it recently because apparently me getting angry in public is just something I do. Uh, and there's the point where they talk about getting this thing stuck, which led to the conversation about mudden, which I at that point I believe called the most redneck thing in the world. Until Fox pointed out rolling coal exists. Um, <laughs> I can't possibly hate the idea of mudding the same way. Like, mudding is kind of goofy, but, you know, I, I rolled around in mud puddles when I was eight years old and had some of the best fun I've ever had in my life. So I sort of get it. Mudding, mudding is, is like that, except you're in a truck. But I have never committed environmental damage for personal amusement, just because. Uh, so, you know, that that's pretty much... That, there's a very clear line in there for me. Mm, mm. But yeah, so so the redneck expansion of Murder Most Foul would be uh, a, you know, trucks <laughs> instead of, of birds, right? No, 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 because like, uh, uh, like your, 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 uh, you know, your, your rebel rousing and things like that. It's like, you know, round up bunch of them boys. <laughs> Am I imagining you're just Son shooting hoot, all the things in the redneck version? <laughs> Collecting bodies. Bird watching is bird watching is, is is popular in the South and in the Midwest. It, the it has also yeah. Uh, speaking of the South and the US, there's been this fascinating thing that's come up this week of watching journalists discover that there are hard leftists living in the South, oh, like yeah. like hillbillies. Turns out they're not big on government, like at all. Well, yeah. I mean, we we already knew that. So there are anarcho-communist communes out in the middle of Kentucky, and they don't show up on government censuses because when the government turns up to census them, they're like, you just you just want to keep going. And these are left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really left. Like, you know, we don't have property left. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the point where they've looped around far enough to almost be libertarians, but with a crucial difference. Yeah. That difference is capitalism. <laughs> Anyway, I, it, by the way, the listener, I don't know if you've caught on, but I keep on pushing this conversation further and further in silly directions because I'm trying to get Jeb just a little frustrated. So when I go, hey, Jeb, what have you been playing? There's a sigh of exasperation. Isn't that normally my job, though? I'm seeing how you like it. It's actually kind of fun. <laughs> Why would he sigh after you do the pass? Yeah, I don't know. Dead quiet. Anyway, hey, Jeb, what you been playing? Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned the phrase uh, far afield, um, because the, the game I've been playing, Talon, I, this is probably going to affect you personally. All um, right. So uh, th- at one point in this game I've been playing, there's this big desert and a sandstorm, and then you see this 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 little green fish man walking towards oh. you slowly and holding a lantern. Uh-huh. With big glowing yellow eyes, and he walks slowly you- towards you, and he walks slowly towards you. He walks slowly towards you. He looks up at you. What have you two young travelers been doing so far, Fiend? Because that's what Tonberries sound like in World of Final Fantasy. Oh! <laughs> they have one with a voice now? That's amazing. <laughs> He's great. He's a grandpa. <laughs> because they have baby Tonberries in World of Final Fantasy. <laughs> do they have oversized hoodies with the sleeves hanging off? Yes, they do. <laughs> and and when the baby Tonberry, the Ton baby, if you will, uses petty grudge or casts a spell, they wave their hands around, right? Because that's how you cast a spell. You move your hands. You make the hand gestures. Yeah. But but the baby Tonberry is very small, <laughs> and the hoodie is very large. <laughs> and so when he waves his hands around, he wiggles the sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> what platform is this game on? PlayStation 4 and Vita. Okay. Damn it! Um, okay, because that sounds like something I kind of want to see. Well, it depends. Do you like Do you like Final Fantasy at all? Uh, Would you like... It, let me rephrase all, that. yes. In do specific, you, often not. Okay. Do you like... Um, would, you, would you like Final Fantasy Pokemon? Oh, the look on Fox's face. Oh! oh. All three ah. mudslacks in a flailing... <laughs> Would you like a game where one of the main mechanics is stacking your little Final Fantasy Pokemon on top of each other <laughs> to combine their powers? Oh my Damn goodness. It. I can't afford a PS4. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that there's someone out there who has a secondhand Vita. And Vitas are probably never going to get cheap because they cost too damn much to make and they never became successful. Mm. Ah. 
We'll see. We'll see. Ah, yeah. uh, this does sound like a really good game, though. Yes! It's, oh my it's, gosh! It's a, it has this, it reminds me of Funko Pop, which, not the best aesthetic. No. Um, but it's a, it's a Final Fantasy, like, uh, homage game. It has, you know, all the cameos and stuff. Like, Tifa. Alright. Uh, Funko Pop Tifa is, uh, she's dressed as a cowgirl. Her bio, her bio says, really? A cowgirl? Because this game it doesn't take itself seriously, and that's exactly what Final Fantasy fucking needs. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, okay, okay, hang on. But, hold up, hold up, hold up. When you say Funko Pop, does that mean like everyone has the same dang face and a square head and? Yes. It, that, that's not a, it, it was a really shitty aesthetic in my opinion. <laughs> Damn. But it's really fun, and luckily the, uh, the actual, like, monsters that you, that you gather up don't okay. have the, the fun look, so, you know, a Tonberry's a little Tonberry. Um, Is it the, the same? Chocobo, Sorry. The, like, the Chocobo still has, like, a, a big bobble head, but it's not, like, a square head. Just, okay. that's just for the Final Fantasy people. Yeah, I could probably work with that. Like, are we talking the, the same kind of style as in Theatrhythm, perhaps? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I can uh, live with that. Because other, like, other Final Fantasy spinoffs have done this for a while now. Yeah, I think yeah. the card game does it, which, um, if, if Squeenix ever wants to just kill me, they'll, they'll, like, bring that to North America. Is it not available? No, it's only in Japan. Oh. But Tifa makes her, her appearance, her, her introduction to the, to the, uh, player characters by punching a dragon in the face, knocking it off a mountain. <laughs> This is in many ways the Tifa I always wanted Tifa to be. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is her introduction to the story. It is the dragon punch. Um, yeah, it's really lighthearted. It doesn't take itself seriously. It does the self-aware thing. But one of the characters is really, really focused on not breaking kayfabe. <laughs> it's like, you can't say that. Oh, so they actually know. Well, they, 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 they do the... It's kind of like... Um, thematically, it's a lot like Paper Mario. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and right. uh, Final Fantasy could also have you use a, a Paper Mario-style game in it. Well, pa- Paper Mario, part of what made Paper Mario stand out wasn't just its different mechanic and aesthetic. It was that it had such an anarchic sense of humor. It, mm-hmm. it had to exist in a world, our world, where there was already a bunch of Mario games and tropes that it could make fun of. And honestly, Final Fantasy seems to be almost too rich a mind for that. Trope-rich oh. environment. It is, a, it is a TRE. It is a trope-rich environment. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> um, one of your first one of your first story missions involves making sure that Princess Sarah from Final Fantasy 1 doesn't get kidnapped. Again. <laughs> I think I sense how this kind of thing goes. Well, also, when she, when, she, when, she does, when she does get kidnapped, because of course she got kidnapped, she got kidnapped by the Princess Goblin. The Princess Cowboy. Goblin. No, Princess Goblin. Goblin. Yes, the Princess Goblin. No, you I know why they call the Princess things. Goblin? Do you know why they call the Princess Goblin the Princess Goblin? Because she has a princess dress? She is the Princess of the Goblins. Yeah. And she kidnapped the princess to get the Warrior of Light's attention. Because <laughs> she wants him to dumb her. Well. Yeah. And the other goblins. Well, well, well. <laughs> okay, then. And then when you've resolved the situation and... And and Sarah's rescued, and the Warrior of Light almost professes his love to her, and she talks about going off and having an adventure together, and he introduces their strict no-more-getting-kidnapped policy. <laughs> Princess Goblin is just kind of looking there like, hey, hey. She's literally just going, hey, hey, all right, I'm going to go now. So long. <laughs> Bye. It's called very weird. Call me, call me if you need anything. This this went to a very strange place. Sounds good this, though. She's looking around like when she starts walking away. She turns back around, points fingers at. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really endearing. She's the best. Her helmet has spikes, and her spike has on her helmet emote. <laughs> like Asterix's ears. Sorry, uh, feathers. Wings. Yeah, the feathers on his helmet. <laughs> All right. Well, that that is really really cool. Um, I, I'm I'm impressed because honestly, I kind of have tuned out Final Fantasies from seven onward. <laughs> like, I know they're important, and I know that it also does. Returns. It also does. It also does. Uh, it also confirms that the god in the world of Final Fantasy is a woman. 
Oh, that's interesting. Because she tells you she's a, she's God. Do you and, fight uh, her the, then? The make, hmm? Do you fight her she's, then? No, no, she just she's there. She's you know. Okay. She's, right, she's, I got to warn you. She goes to Starbucks like you know anybody else would. <laughs> um, well, you see, the main characters work at Starbucks, and uh, <laughs> I'm not joking. Um, they work at the Starbucks in a dimension that's sealed off from time, and then when time restarts, suddenly everybody else is gone except for the, the two main characters and God. And God's like, oh, you're awake now. Okay. By the way, right. I'm God. This is the start of the game. By the way, I'm God. And the male, the male, the, the little brother, the little twin brother, he's the younger one of the oh. twins. Uh, his reaction is, dude. <laughs> Great. This sounds like it's a definitely a big product. There's a lot to it. Because <laughs> I'm hearing rolling deserts and stacking monsters and collecting large things and meeting God at Starbucks. Well, yeah, I mean... Well, where else is God going to go? Get I, I, I was going to pull you up on grounds of, look, not not everybody who tells you they are God is uh, necessarily telling the truth, especially if they are an anime girl. And in Final Fantasy, no less. Well, I mean, she she opens doors between dimensions and whatnot. It's a, it's a functional God thing. All right, all right. In fact, she's it's the one... God. She's a functional God. She's the one who uh, does things like... Um, uh, the, the main characters ask, like, okay, how do we know how to do all this stuff all of a sudden? Uh, of course you have a mascot following you, and the mascot's annoying, but the mascot says, oh, that's, that's, that's her, that's God. <laughs> well then. Um, um, the, 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 the building that the Tonberry leads you to, because the Tonberry is not an enemy. That's the master Tonberry. He runs the Coliseum. Okay. You know what the Coliseum is for? No. I'm going to assume Fight. for fighting. Cactus? Fighting unique monsters, such as the baby Tonberry dressed as Santa. <laughs> Does he still have the oversized sleeves? Yes. <laughs> and the multiplayer. Ah. Because you can't have Pokemon without trading and fighting your friends. Uh, point of fact, I can definitely have Pokemon without fighting my friends. Conceptually. But you're right about trading. Conceptually. Like, the, that's part of the package. Sure, sure. So yeah, I am really, really enjoying uh, World of Final <laughs> Fantasy a lot more than I thought I would. <laughs> Only, like, real complaint I have is that uh, the bosses aren't too inspired, because they're just kind of bigger and tougher versions of the smaller enemies. And that's, eh, that's a bit of a letdown. But it's so much fun playing the game that I don't mind. Oh, so there are bosses. Bosses, bosses. Good boss design, he says, as if turning to the page of notes that we've all had set down now for three weeks. Uh, Who takes notes? I I take notes. Where do you take them to? Aw, you do. Uh, to be but, fair, I, I also I also keep like a notepad file open with the, with the things I'm going to I'm planning on saying. Yeah. Um, how was, many oh, by the way, by the way, I forgot to mention the uh, the intro of this week. Those were lines from the monster guide. Oh, nice. Like the the, the bit about we'll do anything to to be in the uh, we'll do <laughs> anything to be part of the plot. That's yeah. that's do anything to be part of the plot is a moogle. Nice. Well, that explains why they're in everything. They're clearly doing backroom deals with the game producers. Yeah. The yes. That's, that's what they're saying. F- Final Fantasy's creators are in the pocket of Big Moogle. Do, do you not assume it's extortion? I assume it's extortion. <laughs> <laughs> well, you so, see, the Moogle, the Moogle can evolve into the Pirate Moogle. <laughs> do they still? Do they still? They all use have the, the same voice. Does, does the, sorry, do the Moogle still use the um, the Zer pronouns? I don't know. I didn't see any used. Hmm. Anyway, just a thought. But yes. Um, Ferris, Ferris uses her for pronoun, I know that. That's nice. So, in good boss design, it should serve as a sort of final exam for each section of the game, ideally helping you explore mechanics you've played with up to this point, and very rarely dropping you on anything completely new. Mm-hmm. Uh, bigger versions of ordinary monsters tend to fall in a, a much more boring category, they're kind of more like roadblocks than, than uh, uh, an engaging encounter. Yeah, unless it's God of War, in which case this boss is your tutorial. Yeah, it's well, true. Uh, God, God of War does throw a lot of the th- things out with the bathwater, but it is also a well, game on the other hand, though, the like the the giant bosses of God of War still are structured around you know the the climbing around your environment, building up yeah. massive combos of damage. And I was really only thinking of the first one, <laughs> which is a tutorial by you know necessity. Have, you know, just vaguely in the time since we first thought of this topic, has anyone got anything interesting to say about boss monsters before I start trampling over people? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I thought you were um, still doing an introduction to, the, to, to what we're talking about, why we're talking yes. about Boss Monsters. Well, um, I thought I might open with the obvious candidate, which is Shadow of the Glass. Mm. <laughs> which is, a, you know, not, not an object lesson in how to do a boss in a normal game, obviously, but... I'm just always impressed with it for the fact that they managed to make a game that was entirely boss fights without fucking up the pacing entirely. Like you, mm. normally that would ruin a game. Yeah. The, the point of bosses is that they are a peak uh, in in your what do we say challenge? Uh, yeah. Arc. Yeah. Your, like your it's the the climax of that particular arc, like the like in the, the the traditional story outline. It's it's the it's the tippy top point, and you get yeah. your nice little cool down. When, when, the, when the big thing is finally dead. Yeah. Right, exactly. And in the case of Shadow of the Colossus, um, a lot of the time boss monsters are used as a sort of um, punctuation mark amongst a bunch of co- connecting tissue. Like, it sounds like that World of Final Fantasy is probably treating its bosses that way. <laughs> Whereas Shadow of the Colossus as a game, it, it's kind of funny because when you think about it, you, they're boss monsters. They're clearly boss monsters. We think clearly, of them as yeah. boss monsters, but by most practicing definitions, of boss monster they aren't because they're the only monsters they're not a, a scarier form of thing that's meant to imply some degree of authority over other monsters they're just these gigantic puzzles which can swat you and i find that i find that particularly interesting mostly 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 gigantic yeah one of them is just a bull <laughs> Um, uh, some who are like a bit bigger than a yeah, like a bull or a horse or something. What is just a bull? One. And now there's a lot of reasons why it didn't work. But consider that in the new Castlevania reboot, they tried to put in Shadow of the Colossus style bosses oh, yeah. as boss monsters. And like, I'm, I don't want to sit here and rubbish on the new Castlevanias. <laughs> But I will say I felt that those didn't work, uh, partly because I don't think they really got what made those uh, boss monster fights engaging. Mm. There was certainly a degree of freedom that uh, that you get in Shadow of the Colossus that you weren't getting in Castlevania. And they made actual, like, uh, that Castlevania... What what's the subtitle of this one? I can't I think remember. It's Dawn of Shadows, Shadows or Lord's uh, yeah, Dawn. It's really generic. Yeah. Um they had conventional boss monsters as well at last mm, chef. Yeah. Uh, but then they had these as like weird feature fights that you could choose when you went to and like the fact that they were uh, like a bonus chapter thing that you could choose when you wanted to go and poke probably yeah. is the first place they went wrong. Mm. Well, do do you do you like optional <laughs> bosses? I uh, do. I generally do. Like um, the see, uh, uh, World of Final Fantasy has something similar to optional bosses in the um, special, uh, the, the special monsters you can catch. Mm-hmm. Like just like the legendaries and Pokemon. Um, the the catching mechanics in uh, World of Final Fantasy are kind of different, so it gives you that opportunity to um, to it gives you that opportunity to apply different techniques and tactics to in order to actually make your catch. Like, you'll have to cast Shell or use these three spells in a row, things like that, in order to, to make the catch. Um, okay. They're a little bit more interesting than your normal boss fights, because the normal boss fights in it are just bigger things that you can't catch anyway, so you just hit it till it falls down. Ah, so... Um, the, the special bosses aren't great, like, mechanically, because there's not all... I haven't found anything yet that's particularly complicated to catch. But it is. It shows that they they have a little bit of a. They've tried a little bit to mix up their more unique encounters, and I think that's something that that special that special bosses and optional bosses really gives you a chance to do. Um, and Final Fantasy has always used optional boss encounters to see how much you've gamed the system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Like all the the. The point of those extra bosses in the series is is like you know no the the thing that's called the fight that's not the final boss if you actually want to test how effectively you have rotted these numbers you've how kind good of have you you've kind of kicked me into a coincidental memory hole because I've just realized the first place I realized that optional bosses were optional the first game where I can remember looking at boss monsters realizing I couldn't beat them and then finding out that I could just avoid them was Final Fantasy V, where <laughs> uh, Shinryu and I was Omega. Omega Weapon? Just Omega. Omega. Just yeah. Omega. 
yeah, uh, I believe that in the GBA release, there's even more of these doofy things. There's Neo Shinryu. There's Neo Shinryu and a couple others in the Secret Dungeon. Yeah, yeah. Not not anything I ever took on because my mastery of Final Fantasy V isn't particularly impressive. Uh, indeed, Final Fantasy V the, is. Hmm? You never used uh, frame perfect power of rock and roll to, to stun lock Omega. No, or or um, <laughs> the chemist class. <laughs> or just yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it, it just reminds me that uh, boss monsters in, like, fi- Final Fantasy games usually have fairly breakable systems to some mm-hmm. extent or another, and late game often rely on you having found the edge of something broken and used it, even mm-hmm. if you're not necessarily going to be uh, a full-blown, you know, completely juggernaut build kind of thing. Uh, they usually kind of expect you to have at least one or two broken things you can do, Um so, so it's really interesting to me now. I think about it, where um, like those those bosses are bosses are basically big puzzles, um, mm-hmm. uh, like the um, was it Rubicant in Final Fantasy IV that did the yeah thing? yeah Rubicant yeah. Um, and curiously, that idea that you will probably be able to do one of the things that breaks our game mindset was something I found really populous throughout Dark Souls, <laughs> where Dark Souls. I remember we said this during the the Amber episode, but in Dark Souls, the game is full of things that are just silly powerful and kind of, you know, exploitative of the simplicities of the game. There's a lot of ways you can get things trapped behind geography and just poke at them until they die. Yeah, it's a different kind of broken. Yeah, yeah. But the game seems to be built with the expectation in mind that that's kind of a thing you will eventually give a shot at doing. Well, uh, they, they, like, um... Oh, ceaseless discharge. Yeah, yeah. Ceaseless discharge has a special animation and everything for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, he, the the poor sad boy has a terrible name. It's it's a problem. <laughs> well, he well, has a terrible I'm, I'm condition. Familiar with it. He has a terrible. <laughs> his, his discharge is ceaseless. <laughs> Does this look infected to you? But yeah, um, I it's, it's not that I'm against. First, and I everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's not that I'm against optional bosses or anything, they can work really well, but to do, because they were so clearly aping Shadow of the Colossus in mm. that instance, mm-hmm. um, and because so much of the experience of each boss in Shadow of the Colossus is, you know, riding off and finding it. Yeah. Um, being able to just select the chapter and walk in front of the Colossus would have really fucked with that. I think that we could honestly do a series of podcasts of here is what Shadow of the Colossus did really well. (laughs) Oh, sure. It it could be a study in game design in a lot of ways. Because you have things like the the way that it ditches everything it doesn't want to do. Uh, You have the way that it uses environment to tell so much of its story. The way it makes exploration a major game mechanic. Uh, So there's legitimately... And abject sadness. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, this, 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 Mike, oh. <laughs> yeah. This is very true. Echo's office is is just the, the it's just a reactor that's powered by tears. <laughs> but yeah, so like going you know, proceeding through the environment to where the Colossus is supposed to be just inherently builds this sense of how this thing exists in the world and very that familiar it to you. belongs here, which is the exact opposite of what you get with, you know, select special boss chapter. Here is a boss fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, some of the uh, games I, w- I love the most don't have meaningful boss fights. Uh, Hotline Miami kind of has one boss fight. It's a garbage level. <laughs> Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Mm, mm, um, mm. Warrior that Within. Is, the- that game, Sands of Time is abjectly worse for its boss fight. Yep. It's it's almost abjectly worse for fighting in general. Though. <laughs> like, uh, well, exactly. That's why the boss fight makes it so much worse and, yeah. and that's all you do in the boss fight a version of that game without the combat really um, would be very interesting but in Sands of, sorry in Prince of Persia not the warrior within the the last one um, the, the, the we, crawling in my skin one right? two thrones or the no two thrones the, is the one or the more different next one no I do think it, I, I mean two thrones two okay. thrones improved the combat massively it introduced oh sure yeah uh, speed kills 
which are still one of my absolute favorite things to do because they're not just about stealth. They're also about quick positioning and quick reacting to scenarios. So I I absolutely love... You can do that in Sense of Time. Yeah, it doesn't have the same sense of cinema to it. Um, It doesn't feel as over something, Kick flipping over over a sand dune and stabbing it in the back doesn't have a cinematic feel to it? The speed kills in Two Thrones feel really good. (laughs) All right? (laughs) Um, but in Two Thrones, it all falls apart when you get to the final boss because the only way to fight oh, the final God, boss yeah. thing is, so boring. is a series of speed kill challenges. And if you mess up one, it kicks you all the way back to the start. Ugh. And that's just so badly done. I also remember much earlier a puzzle boss in Two Thrones who made you want to eat the controller. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, they had a Matador-style boss who was honestly kind of fun. Yeah, that was pretty fun. I remember with the puzzle boss, it was a case of, like, the whole difficulty around it is that you couldn't be sure whether or not it was a puzzle boss. Mm. So, basically what we learned is you really need to telegraph that shit. Yeah. The point of your boss fight is that you need to do some clever thinky shit instead of just fighting normally. Really need to communicate that to the player quickly. And while we're still in the Prince of Persia universe, in the Forgotten Sands, those boss fights are a fucking joke. Because the upgrade tree in that game is oh, silly as hell. Yeah, yeah, they went too far with that. <laughs> so you, the final boss of that game, I there's a there's a special earth power that makes you invulnerable to the next hit, and it recharges quickly enough that at the final boss, you just sit there going, "Bling, I'm immune to that." Stab, stab, stab. Bling, I'm immune to that. Stab, stab, stab. Which makes the final boss fight more a sort of like pruning a very big bush rather than engaging with a fight with a 35 meter tall demon. <laughs> Which should be really exciting, but yes. Uh, I I don't think either of you guys have played to the end of Majora's Mask. Mm -mm. Nope. Um, But to my mind, that is one of the weirdest fucking final bosses in gaming. Because, I mean, you've all seen the Fierce Deity uh, mask and the the Link form and everything, right? I've seen Mm -hmm. the mask. I don't know if I've seen Link. Blue Tattoo Face Link. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's kind of how this goes. If you complete the whole... uh, There's like an extra little mini dungeon section that you have to go through and you give up all your other masks. And, you know, if you do it all... If you have collected all of the other masks, you can get the Fierce Deity mask. Um, And it sort of seems like you're supposed to have that to do the final boss fight. Because if you don't have it, it's a pain in the ass. Um, It's very difficult, but, like, the fact that you wind up sort of throwing Zora Link boomerangs because you don't really have any other options and most of your weapons can't actually damage the boss, and it's like a really weird, awkward thing, and you can feel that something's wrong here. But if you do have the Fierce Deity Mask, the fight is just... It's nothing. (laughs) You just go smash, 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 and if you have a decent amount of hearts, you don't even really have to worry about avoiding or blocking stuff. You just smash the thing. I wonder like if some kind of fierce, it's, like some kind of fierce deity. Which, yeah, which you know, sure, thematic resonance and all, but it, then that makes the mask seem like it's supposed to be an after the end kind of like bonus thing. Like if you want to just get the overpowered toy and and you know trample all over the final boss in revenge for how annoying it was the first time, which is fine. But then the way that it is the first time feels really strange. I'm I'm not sure which of these is supposed to be like the right version of that fight. Um, and well, I guess neither of you guys can weigh in on that. But I'd be interested if the listener has anything to say about it, or yeah, you know, you could drop some tweets or something and let me know what you think. Because I'd be really curious to know what other people's experiences of that were like. And what about you, Jeb? Well, I was I was actually going to ask uh, something. Um, you mentioned at the the start of this segment the, that uh, a good boss design, you know. It, it, it tests the, the new what's and the old what's that the players learned in the preceding level, but it has always been like that for, no. for bosses. And, oh, yeah. uh, like the, like, well, obviously Bowser isn't anything like that. Yeah. God knows Sonic the Hedgehog doesn't fucking do anything like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it Sonic a is a... Does a couple times, like if there's like, uh, uh, like there's a couple times when there's seesaw bouncing in a level, we'll have a seesaw bounce of the boss, but yeah. I would argue that Sonic bosses are an excellent test of all the skills you've developed so far in the game, in that you must move correctly and not die. <laughs> uh, and also have an, incredible, have an incredible amount of patience for bullshit. <laughs> Final fight bosses mostly just relied on you chugging more quarters into the game. I think that has a lot to do with it, but I was uh, like, like obviously the the eighties and early nineties have an influence of 
um, the the arcade mindset. I'm just trying to. Th- I was going to ask, you know, just kind of open floor of this, if anybody has any any thoughts on where this changed. Like, I guess Legend of Zelda. Hmm. I could see a very reasonable argument that that boss fights as a as a as an exam does flow from Ocarina of Time, or even if it didn't come up with oh, the earlier idea earlier than that, probably. But like. even if it didn't come up with the idea, it made that idea much more widespread and mainstream. Made the expectation of a boss that that's way. Probably fair. But that's sort of. I mean, Zelda's probably a good candidate because that's always, at the very least, you know that the boss of any given dungeon is gonna hinge on the item or items that you picked mm. up in that dungeon. It's yeah. basically guaranteed. Which is always like Conveyance 101 now. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, whatever whatever the power-up or progression method for your game is. Like, with Zelda, it's getting new items. Mm. But, you know, with other games, maybe it's, uh, you know, getting a new ability or, or just super, introducing like, a new challenge. Super Metroid, like... Took that, uh, took that, move that forward with the, the whole Metroidvania thing and nice. Symphony Night, Castlevania, uh, Symphony Night, obviously. But uh, for a long time, it was it was more just uh, a particularly notable object in your way that was the the boss of the level. You're um you're actually making me ashamed to remember how long it freaking took me to uh fight the second to last Ganon form in Ocarina of Time. Um you, where you have to do the, the tennis volley thing mm-hmm. with his blast attacks. And they the show that you that me. with the very first boss you fight as adult Link, who is a copy of Ganon. He's, <laughs> he's Phantom Ganon and you learn to do this with him. And then like six temples later, I'm like, then- How the hell am I supposed to fight this fuck? Several hours later, uh, what was I doing before? <laughs> and as soon as I walked out, I'm like, oh, God, you were just, you gave me, you were sitting here the whole time going, I showed you how to do this. It's not my fault if you weren't paying attention. And also, how many, haven't you ever played any of the other Zelda games? You should know this by now. I hadn't actually. And I think no, a lot know, of people playing so, Ocarina might have that same is, answer. A lot, of, a lot of Legend of Zelda presupposes that you've played other Legend of Zeldas before. That, that is probably quite fair, yes. I mean, I didn't notice that at the time, but once again, that was my first Zelda. Mm-hmm. It's probably also why I've never really been able to get into the 2D ones very much. <laughs> I feel bad for admitting this, but they play so differently. I mean, uh, I'm thinking now about um, the, basically the big game of the PC platform, which I played, was mostly FPSs, and Wolfenstein's bosses were garbage. Catacombs 3D's bosses were garbage. <laughs> well, I what else are you going to do besides shoot them a lot? Well, yeah. It's a bunch of hit points and extra damage. Well, Doom was a really smart game with a whole bunch of really interesting mechanical effects going on, but the Cyber Demon's whole thing is just it's enormous and tough, and it can two-shot you. Um, Right. So the the nature of bosses in... Like, Doom doesn't really have bosses. Everything in Doom kind of exists to be used as a a piece in the the game experience. It doesn't treat (laughs) any of them like... Oh, wait, no. The Icon of Sin. So there's one boss in Doom 2, and it's kind of a puzzle, and it doesn't really use any of the information you've, you learned prior to that point. It's honestly a pretty mediocre boss fight. But, but yeah, I mean, Doom itself doesn't really need bosses, because it's it's as much an exploration, well, like, pathfinding yeah. thing. Pathfinding and move correctly, do not die. Uh, on a related note, Mirror's Edge and oh. uh, Remember Me, two games I like. Mm. Awful boss design. Things that should not have boss fights. I got another one for you because I remember this from your playthrough. Yeah. Deus Ex Human Revolution boss oh! fights. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised that that was not the first thing that popped into your head when we thought about this topic. I don't like Deus Ex Human Revolution enough to remember it in that kind of context. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the boss fights in Deus Ex Human Revolution are embarrassingly badly designed. Anyway. Well, you can't blame the developers for the rest of the game for that. Yeah. Hey! They were straight made by a different team, weren't they? Yes. The, the, yeah, and the joke Chris Franklin favors is uh, that Deus Ex Human Revolution was written by werewolves, and all the bosses got written in that one night of the year. Where, <laughs> the, the one night where they were all wolf form. It's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news is fit to print for the month of November 2000. Ort, ort. Brought to you by a generous donation from the Moogle Foundation. <laughs> They'll do anything to be in the series. 
flashing back now to the year 2000, a year of hope and optimism when the Millennium Bug didn't kill everything and there were consoles out and Sega had the Dreamcast. And we had the Olympics. Yeah. 2000. First up, we have a game that's about two franchises punching the shit out of each other. Ooh, uh, is it Capcom vs. SNK? Yes. No, Capcom vs. SNK, Millennium Fight 2000. Oh. There was a lot of something, something, 2000. There's gonna be a lot of millenniums in this. Yes. (laughs) Well, Willennium, as we know, Will Smith owns the year 2000, (laughs) legally. Shut up. Uh... Next up, we have a game about... It's a mascot fighter where the protagonist is on a pogo stick on the cover of the box, but thanks to uh, the nature of, like, framing, it looks like he's riding a Segway, which is almost the most 2000 thing. <laughs> well, that's a weird one. A the only mascot character I know. fighter? It's not a mascot fighter. It is a mascot game. Oh, okay. I thought you said fighter. My bad. You, I'm pretty sure you did. I might have. I'm not arguing. Oh. Well, the only the only mascot, well, the only character I know who hangs around on a pogo stick is Commander Keen. No, but not. surely no. 2000 is too late for there to be a Keen game. Yeah, yeah there's no. A bunch, there's a bunch of pogo sticks. Like, um... The character does not, I do not think the character is renowned for a pogo stick. Honestly, I thought the character was kind of renowned for being like a rail runner, but uh, it's a PlayStation iconic character. It's Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, it's close. It's Crash Bash. Which is one of the many sequels of Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. Wait, no, isn't that the isn't that the Mario Party? I yeah, that's the Mario be. Party. It sounds that like the Mario Party, Party game. Yeah, that's, that's the Mario Party game, and uh, like one of the one of the the mini games was Pogo sticking around to like knock out blocks. Yeah. Or something. Okay. Uh, well, on the cover, it looks like Crash is riding around on a, on a Segway. <laughs> Next up, I can have... see Crash Bandicoot riding a Segway. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Definitely now when he's like thirty-five, <laughs> make you like the shittiest lazy mascot character. <laughs> he rolls up a segment and he's like, "Hey, losers!" Brings to mind the image of. I can just uh, picture. I can just picture him like you know, this, this, he rolls up the other mascots. He's the finger guns. He's got this business suit on. <laughs> he's late. He's late for his synergy meeting. Yeah, <laughs> I've really got an impressive portfolio these days. Uh, next He's up. still doing better than Sonic, who is basically the the uh, corpse of a rock star at this point. Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, as this as this uh, you know washed up old rock star on a mobility scooter, <laughs> holding two cigarettes in one hand, going, "Yeah, gotta go fast." <laughs> Sonic Mania looks fucking good. Cool. Sonic Mania was fucking good because they decided that what if we made an old school Sonic game, but made it look <laughs> like we made it on the Dreamcast. Looks good or not as the Dreamcast. nothing else. They used the classic style and it looks fantastic. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, not just that, but they bought a fan game. <laughs> because they don't know how to fucking do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, fair at this point. That, that's exactly what they ought to be doing. Now, for more context, the Game Boy Color is alive at this point, And so is the Nintendo 64. So, we have a spy game. Uh, are we talking about Gex again? No, we're not talking about Gex. Oh, God, I loved that I was able to convince you that we were talking about 007 when I was talking about Gex. <laughs> Why? Uh, that just makes sense. I mean, he's a deliberate uh, yeah, parody. No, this is, in fact, two spies. Is this Spy versus Spy? No. Two different spy games came out in the space of three days um, on at this point. <coughs> Uh, for those two consoles just mentioned? Uh, let's like see. One, for, one for the first, one for the second? Uh, ba, 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 ba. No, they both came out on Windows, actually. Um, oh. one, ah. was, one was for an N64, and the other one came out on a PlayStation. Oh. Uh, okay. But then so, later on, the N64 one was ported to the PlayStation so you just 1. just said Windows. Uh, they both were out on Windows. Oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, like, obviously, the big candidate for Spy Games on the 64 is GoldenEye, but yes, I but thought what? it was a bit earlier than 2000. It was it? a little earlier. So what came after Perfect GoldenEye? Uh, Perfect Dark. No, the world is not enough. Oh, what came after GoldenEye and James Bond? Yes. Hmm, so I've never heard anyone say anything about World is Not Enough on 64. I don't know Was anything. it a tremendously failed follow-up? It doesn't even have its own page on Wikipedia. Ooh. You go... That doesn't bode well. You open The World is Not Enough, it brings up the movie, and at the bottom it has game release, and it gives you the date the game came out. <laughs> mm, ouch. So, I mean, it might just be that Wikipedians haven't gotten around to it, or it might be that it's that unremarkable a game. Nobody gave a shit. 
like it. <laughs> but that's not the only spy game. Well, everyone was still playing Goldeneye at that point. So. <laughs> now, the other spy game came out on PlayStation and Windows. It did come out on the. It came out on Windows first, then it came out on the PlayStation Two, and then it fell into legal oh. limbo. Is it? Um, yeah, it came I out on PlayStation what it's Two. Called. Is it the one that later. actually has two uh, lesbian main characters? No, Fear Effect. No. No, not Fear Effect. Fear, that's the one. It's not Fear Effect. But you are playing a woman. But it's not it's, Perfect Dark. No. No. It's... Uh, it's... It got released, so it can't be Starcraft Ghost. No. <laughs> no. It is The Operative. Oh. No one oh. lives forever. Never heard of it. Uh, no one lives forever, and the other operative game are really—they're basically the Paper Mario of the GoldenEye set. They are anarchically smart and really quite oh. excellent games, and also completely unavailable. And you play a lady. You play a lady. Wow. You play a lady spy who, at one point, can, if you hang around henchmen, all the pairs of henchmen have different conversations, including two of them who sit around saying, "Why a volcano?" <laughs> Why? Do you know what my health insurance? Like, I, I signed up for this for good for good pay, but my health insurance premiums are through the roof because I work in a volcano. Uh, sounds pretty fun. It's it's a like really that. it's a really smart pair of games. Um, and I could tell you any old thing that's in them, and it wouldn't matter because they are now in legal hell. It is basically impossible for anyone involved to give up anything related to them without effectively feeling they've wasted money. Right. So they aren't available for sale at any price. This puts them in Even the- on eBay? Oh, oh, the games themselves, you can probably get them on eBay. Like, but like you're in second-hand market hell, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and their <gasps> prices are skyrocketing, sh- um, Suikoden style. Speaking of which, a friend of ours reported last night that they have acquired a copy of uh, <laughs> Grand Shark Auto. Yes. Oh my god. Uh, it's PS2 one, not the PC one, so it's probably the buggy shit version, but that is not the point. <laughs> this this game may be in our future. Stay tuned. Next up, we have uh, a game. The operative No One Lives Forever on PS2 is like six bucks. <gasps> nice. Okay. okay. That's worth looking into. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, we have a game that until fairly, uh, until its own sequel was one of the biggest budgetary flops of video games. Amazing. Until its own sequel. Yes, which took that same budgetary flop status and decided to explode it. Oh, as in it got worse. It got worse. Okay. Um, ooh, that's a hard one, though. In order for this game to turn a profit, every person who had a co- had the console it was on had to buy it twice. <laughs> so it was a Dreamcast game. It was a Dreamcast game. It like a Dreamcast game. It's a Shenmue. It, it was... It's Shenmue. Oh my god, I had Which, no idea it was fair, that expensive. I am, oh, I am, rel- I am, I'm not completely unsure that Shenmue, that, er- that everyone who owns a Dreamcast didn't buy Shenmue three times. <laughs> because what the fuck else were you gonna play? Well, someone had to make up for me not owning a copy. <laughs> and by the way, the answer to that is Soul Calibur. Lots and lots of Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur and also eventually Skies of Arcadia. You know, just Oh shit, too- yeah, Skies of Arcadia. Just too late for it to save the console. <laughs> But yeah, Shenmue was um, enormously detailed environments. You could open a drawer and it would have in there... A- oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, it's it's not that I'm surprised to find out that it's a massive budget. I just never realized how ridiculous it <laughs> yeah. was. They spent yeah. a lot of money doing a lot of meaningless fucking shit in that game. <laughs> um, Which is so- good, because that entire game is about doing meaningless fucking shit. <laughs> A friend of mine has commented that if they had known about procedural generation, the budget for that game could have been a tenth of what it was. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, everything right. is handcrafted. Every drawer has unique components in it. But they're not actually meaningful. No. They're just there no, for verisimilitude. No, yes. nothing, in, nothing in that game means fucking anything. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it is a game of enormous oh, amounts of man. pointless detail. Like, uh, Gashapon in the, um, in, in the, the capsule toy stand-ups, they're apparently manually placed the first time. Why? Uh, <laughs> well, I suppose wonder? if you can't do it procedurally, then you have no other choice. Is there mm. any, any wonder that Sega lost so much fucking money? Yeah. Aren't you, aren't you glad that Shenmue 3 is going to come out? <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have a game that's part of an extended franchise. We've even talked about that franchise, and it didn't come out on a second platform for 16 years. 
second platform. Yes, it was one platform exclusive. Is this the initial release or is this the... This is the initial release. Okay. And it got a port to a second platform this year. Yes. Okay, so can you... I feel like I should know this. What was the initial platform? The initial platform was the PlayStation 1. They made another one this year. They didn't make another one, they just ported it. In fact, there's been complaints about the port, but there's been complaints about all the ports of this franchise. Mostly by me, because I care about download size. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn. Um... It's a very well-loved and well-established franchise, and at this point there were lots of people saying, hey, it's back to its great form, despite the fact that it's just about as good as the last one. <laughs> Um, no, that's been they port one released the... on a million platforms. So there's, and there's not been another, like, game in this franchise? Tons it's... of games in this franchise. This game has, okay. this franchise has been continuing ever since. It's and this was the very game. first, this is the very first no. Like, series. No, this is not the first in the series. This is, is this a, a mid- Tales of game? No, it's a Final Fantasy. This is, this Final Fantasy IX. This is Final Fantasy IX, which was on the PlayStation 1, left completely unmoved. It didn't get put onto virtual consoles or anything like that until this year. Wow. And then it got a legit surprise. That is not correct. Ah. Wikipedia! Aha. Okay. Right. So I am pretty sure because that is the version I have in my Vita. Right. That makes some that makes some more sense. But the idea that there was two versions of this game struck me as so weird I had to comment on it. Yeah, uh it got ported to the PC in 2016. Next up, we have three games that came out on the same day on the Game Boy Color. They're all tie-ins to franchises. Though yeah, Final Fantasy, the- Final Fantasy IX came out on PSP in 2010. Okay. So still a hell so of a So for ten wait. years. <laughs> for the last ten years, you've all been wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Who is a blitz ball? <laughs> Wait, wrong fantasy, god damn it! Yeah, nine is the one where everyone was like, shit, this was a really good one. Yeah, with a really bleak sense of humor at last check. Uh, oh. Just a really bleak, bleak storyline. Yeah, Everyone has giant bulging craniums, though. All right. Um, next up, we have three Game Boy Color games that came out on the same day. Pokemans. Uh, sorry? Pokemans. No, they're not Pokemon. It wouldn't be Pokemans because they never have three that come out at the same time. They are complete. They are completely unrelated. By the way, it's just a weird coincidence that these three games came out on the same day. They are all franchise games. Uh-huh. All of these franchises are marketed to children in different ways, but one of them is definitely not like you know a, a kids thing. Uh, kids have their own version of it, effectively, whereas the other two are uh, well, they're kids' cartoons. <laughs> Okay, so not, uh, like, when you say franchise games, not game franchises primarily. Not primarily, no, no. I mean, okay, one of them is a game franchise, but it's a, you know, physical, real world running around on a field game. Oh, okay. Wow, there were sports games on the Game Boy. Madden NFL 2001 mm-hmm. on the Game Boy Color. Well, oh, sure. like, those came out on fucking, those things came out on fucking everything. Yeah, they really did. Uh, also, Dexter's uh, I, think year, I think last year was the uh, was the last uh, Madden game for the PS2. Wow! Damn! I'm I'm impressed. And I think, and there's also like the FIFA games. I think are still being ported to PS2. Mm-hmm. And Powerpuff Girls Bad Mojo Jojo. So if you had a Game Boy Color and you went to the store, these three games all hit at the same time. Well, the Perfect. two that are Cartoon Network properties sort of make sense. Yeah they're, yeah, they're at least related. Now, speaking of not making sense as a property, we have oh, a Sonic. We have a movie that didn't need a sequel, getting a video game it also didn't need. Did the sequel come much later? Much later. Second like Independence Day video game. Oh, oh, oh. No, no, no. This, this, this movie and game are reasonably close to each other, but the original movie is not close to this. Oh, the original Greece? movie is way older than this. What was that, Jeff? This Greece. Uh, you're you are surprisingly in a in a appropriate um you're, you're in a very appropriate <laughs> kind of spectrum. Not Greece, but a musical movie that was very popular. Um, and then got a sequel close to two thousand. Yes, you could sort of say any Disney film. But no, no, not a Disney film. It's definitely an adult uh, 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 movie. Um, was there a Rocky Horror Picture Show? There, Phantom of the Opera game. The movie, the first movie came out in 1980 and was deemed impossible to have a sequel to because one of the actors who was key to it died. Blues Brothers? It is the Blues Brothers hey! 2064 platforming game. Oh, no. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh no, guys! To be fair, Blues Brothers 2000 was a fine enough movie. I I was a fan of it, but I went and saw it as a church youth group, and I'd, ne- <laughs> and I'd never seen the original. So it's, it's fine enough. Mm, I saw the original in high school in that end of term space where the teachers were letting kids bring in videotapes and just play them because fuck it. Um, and I was still too young to understand all the drug references. See, in high school, when that happened, we just left. When I was in high school. Uh, now, in the... Con- oh, just- not 2000, the, the original one. Yeah. But I was like, wow, Princess Leia's changed. <laughs> if you were just curious at all, uh, the game was met with mixed to negative reception. <laughs> It's currently sitting on Metacritic with a 32 out of 100. Yeah, Blues Brothers 2000 may not be the worst conceived sequel ever, but the idea of turning it into a platformer game on the N64, that, that is definitely up there with the most pointless video game adaptations. The game was delayed by two years after the release of the movie. <laughs> oh, that's not going to go well. No, no, it's not. Oh, no. Next up, Strike we have... Strike when the iron is gold. <laughs> Strike when the iron's gone. That's what I always say. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, just fuck, beat that what anvil. What the fuck is iron? <laughs> Uh, next up, we have a game that came out on the PC, the PlayStation, and the Dreamcast that was part of a franchise um, and was generally looked down of as not being as good as the original was, etc., so on and so forth, but these days mostly just seems fine by comparison. Uh, History has been fairly kind to this franchise in that painting it all Code very Veronica? No, no, but you did have a female protagonist. Damn, that was a good-ass guest, too. Yeah. <laughs> PC, PlayStation, and, and Dreamcast. Dreamcast. It's the and Dreamcast that's getting me. Yeah, that's I pretty rare. I didn't know it came out of the Dreamcast. You play a British woman. Is this a Tomb Raider? Was there a t- there was a Tomb Raider on the Dreamcast? Huh. Is this anniversary or I mean not anniversary? Uh, Angel of whatever thing. Chronicles. Chronicles, which I think was a compilation, probably. Oh, I thought that was the one with the the, the who, younger Lara who Plot, which knows. looks like who a Britney Spears ripoff. Mm. <laughs> They're and- all the fucking same. And the big thing about... Uh, That's t- not true. The first one was good. <laughs> do you you do played you it recently. How... It sucked. <laughs> I, well, the first one was good for the time. <laughs> do you remember how uh, when it started out, Lara Croft was this explorer who was going through ancient ruins, and by the end of it all, she was fighting spider-faced human hybrids and kids on skateboards and waving Mjolnir at people? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she does discover dinosaurs in the first level. It's true. Like, let's, Next let's up, not, we have the... Let's, let's not kid ourselves. There's always been pretty out there shit in Tomb Raider. Yeah. Though the kid on the skateboard is still very weird. Uh, we have the first game in what is now a long-running franchise of uh, sort of stealth, stealth puzzle adventure games with murder. Um, Hitman. Yes, Hitman Code 47, the first Hitman game. Wow, that series is older than I realized. Yeah, 2000. That's... It's got a fair bit of a length on it. Had a um, couple of reboots? Yeah, at least two. Did it do well think, right from the start, or? Yeah, decently well. It did reasonably, reasonably well. It I think the first reboot has wandered the whole thing, but I guess the new one is rather good. Churning uh, sequels it, to Hitman 47 was cut, part of what kept IOS's head above water through the early 2000s. It did a, it did a lot towards the whole... Uh, the, the the idea that stealth games could be more than just here's your puzzle solve it design by yeah. giving you a whole lot of options to to x to take out your target. I want to mm. say blood money is where they really kind of got it right. Where it's like, well, I, I could like you, I could knock this guy out, take his up his suit, or I could wait here, take it, knock out the lights, or I could do this and do that. I think blood money is the one that really went all in on the different ways to achieve your goal. Yeah. The most recent version of Hitman has a multiplayer mode, which is you all play the same level, and every time you, and it resets every time you successfully escape. And every time it resets, it takes away the tools you used last time. So at first it's like, well, I'm just going to get a gun, stab the guy up and bolt out a window. Okay, cool. Now that knife's not there anymore. That doesn't sound like a multiplayer mode. You're comparing times. I mean, comparing times for the same level sounds like a multiplayer mode, but the idea of taking away tools. Just yours or the ones that the other characters used or? Um, oh, yes, you're right. No, I'm mixing up the the thing with the multiplayer. The thing with the multiplayer in the new one is you get this open level with a whole bunch of different NPCs in them and you pick someone, wipe them out, 
and then leave the level. And now that person is the contract for everyone else who comes to this level. Oh, okay. And they get prizes for doing things that no one else has tried. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. I was going to say, the first, thing you, the first thing you described uh, sounded like a, a like a, just a cheap knockoff of gun game. Yeah. Like, Well, the first one didn't sound bad, but it definitely sounded more of a, uh, a single-player challenge mode. Yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's like a single-player version of a, a really cool multiplayer mode. <laughs> All right. We're almost done. Next up, we have a sequel to one of the many games that makes us look at 1999 and go, what the fuck was in the water? Uh, this is a game that's on the N64. This is Majora's Mask? No, it's not Majora's Mask. It is part of a franchise, however. Um, a franchise that unfortunately has not done so well and the people who were responsible for making it have actually left the company to try and reestablish a similar brand. Oh, um, oh. Thanks to Kickstarter, no less. Ah, yeah. Mm. It's okay, who's done that recently? Mega Man, but I don't actually recall no. them having a 64 title. No, it wasn't Mega Man. Kind of contrary. Um, and Castlevania, guys. Is Castlevania 64? Thing? It's not Castlevania 64. Uh, but you've pretty much got, you know, by process of elimination, it's now the third <laughs> one in that group. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid is on the PlayStation, not the 64. Yeah. Um, Who's the third one now? You're playing Animals. Oh, Andrew Kazooie. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I forgot the name of Clock Tower, so I was going to make that joke. <laughs> yes, it was Banjo Tooie. Because the spiritual successor to Clock Tower is balls. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Banjo Tooie got made in 11 months. It's that. I don't know how long games took to make during that period. I don't either, but I, I know that, for example, Fallout 2 got made in six months, and the general reaction from the people who made it was, Dear God, please let us sleep. <laughs> All right. Uh, I thought the reaction was, fuck you for not completely worshipping our brilliance. Well, there's also a bit of that. Finally, finally, we have a franchise game that's tied to a non-video game franchise on the N64, which I merely want to mention because it has an amazing name. It's a cartoon tie-in. Uh-huh. It's also available on the PC. I didn't know this, but it's a, there's a Windows version of this game. Okay. Uh, you play a group of teenagers... Uh, with attitude or without? Without attitude. Uh, okay, you're, mostly, without attitude. You're, you're mostly well scrubbed and well. thoughtful, and you want to try and deal with problems in an area, uh, except you've got a really cowardly friend who's possibly prone to doing drugs, and he talks to his dog. Oh, God, it's a Scooby-Doo game. It is a Scooby-Doo game. Nice. And its name is Scooby-Doo's Classic Creepy Capers. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That is a fantastic name for a fucking Scooby-Doo game. Sure. Oh, dear. But yes, that that was basically November 2000. Um, (laughs) There was also a Dave Mirror freestyle BMX, but I couldn't think of an interesting thing to say about that. What if Tony Hawk was on a bicycle? And that's when the Grinch video game came out? I acknowledge none of the words in that sentence. (laughs) And the Grinch movie tie-in game? Oh, come on, you could have thrown that one out there. You've done your best Hill and Brush. I I could, but the best thing about it is the cover. Ah, the the best thing about it is the cover art, and obviously that doesn't deliver on on an audio medium, so I'll just put it up on the blog. Hi, Ellie. It seems that Ellie has signaled that it's time for the podcast to come to a close. He just doesn't like the Grinch. He's a mean one. I can understand that. As ever always, this episode of the Downloadable Concept Podcast is being helpfully supported by you on Patreon. That was Jeb Kupo. That was Fox Kupo. That was Talon Cooper. Tune in next time when hopefully the Moogles will have ended their extortion racket. 